When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2346. We got surprises. We got action. We got shocks. We got tragedy. As advertised, chapter 14 is the tragedy. It's season 2, episode 6 of The Mandalorian, and this is your briefing. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So this is The Mandalorian Briefing for Season 2, Episode 6 of The Mandalorian, also known as Chapter 14, The Tragedy. This is a full spoiler briefing, so if you have not yet watched the episode, please go do <laughs> that now. Unless, of course, you're okay with me just diving right in, which that's what we're going to do right now. Now I have to tell you, this episode did put me in mind of that old Larry Kasdan saw about how if you've got enough momentum with your plot, if it's going along like a son of a gun, then it can kind of coast over plot holes and stuff like that. And I feel like there are a few which we may have to talk about at a later point. Hopefully I'm actually attributing this properly to Larry Kasdan. I know he's talked about having, you know, a plot that moves really fast, but as far as it going over plot holes, eh, okay, now I'm not so sure about that attribution. But let's stick with what happens in The Mandalorian. So they arrive at Tython, The Mandalorian, and Grogu do. They find that seeing stone, and it seems like nothing's going to happen at first, but then suddenly this incredible wave of energy goes up into the sky just by Grogu sitting on this seeing stone and meditating. And it's so powerful that The Mandalorian can't even reach Grogu while it's happening like the actual energy of it repulses him physically and violently away. But, of course, it's not a Jedi that shows up to be of assistance. In fact, it's quite the opposite. First, it's scoundrels in the person of Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. Yes, Ming-Na Wen's character Fennec Shand from Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, is alive and apparently sporting a cybernetic series of intestines or guts or something because she's got cybernetics all across her abdomen. Boba Fett apparently somehow rescued her and got her the medical treatment that she needed in order to survive and she is now in his service as a result. And not only that, but Boba Fett still has access to Slave One, his ship that we saw first in The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, he's still got it. And somehow he, along with Moff Gideon, was able to track the Razor Crest to Tython and confront him there. And naturally this, as opposed to on Corvus, where there's an actual Jedi roaming around instead of the promise of a Jedi roaming around. This is when Moff Gideon decides to make his move. I have to say those transport ships arriving do remind me very much of the transport ships that we saw in The Force Awakens with the stormtroopers coming out. Like It seems like there could be a line drawn in that regard. I know we are still 
more than a decade away in universe time, in in-universe time, before we get to the seeds of the First Order. I think that's really starting to come together around, what is it, 28 ABY? And here we are in 10 ABY, so nearly two decades later. But it seems like they have some kinds of ships that are similar to what we see a couple of decades later being used by the First Order. And I don't think I've ever seen this kind of transport being used by the Imperials before. So there's a lot of action, a lot of shoot 'em up with the Stormtroopers. And we'll talk a little bit more about that because there's something that this show does that is absolutely remarkable for one character. But once the shoot 'em ups are done, it seems like <laughs> Moff Gideon has had enough with this and destroys the Razor Crest from orbit. I think this had to be the most shocking moment of the show. I mean, just utterly wiped out, obliterated. And for everything that the Razor Crest has gone through this season and for it to finally be restored and only to have it utterly smashed, like that is just crazy. And then the Dark Troopers. So this is actually what they are. They are robotic stormtroopers and they do look a bit different from what the designs looked like going all the way back to the Dark Forces video game. And even the official canonization of Dark Troopers that happened in the video game, the mobile game, Star Wars Commander. These are a different model comparatively, so there's more to learn about them, but that looks very, very difficult to deal with as far as <laughs> these crazy jet flying around robots that are doing some evil work. Yeah, it's going to be a rather formidable opponent. And that was just four of them. It looks like they've got a lot more on Gideon's light cruiser. So they steal Baby Yoda as soon as the whole seeing stone ceremony is done and he's passed out and just, uh, you know, groggy and whatnot. And when he's up on Moff Gideon's light cruiser and he's in a jail cell, he's got stormtroopers in there with him. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that neither of the two of them were actually punching him the way that Jason Sudeikis's biker scout was punching him back in <laughs> chapter eight of season one. And yet... I think we are starting to see the notion of fear turning to anger because Baby Yoda, Grogu, is not playing nice with these stormtroopers. He is trying to force choke the both of them. He is slamming them around all over the place. But because he's just such a wee little tyke, he wears himself out and that's how they're able to get him in shackles. Now, luckily before the shooting started, Boba made an offer to Din and said, give me my armor and I will ensure the safety of you and the child. Presumably because as Fennec mentioned, there is a large, even larger than ever bounty on the child's head. And we're gonna have to talk about <laughs> the point at which Mandalorians enter into agreements officially because Technically speaking, I don't think Din agreed to that deal and Boba just took the armor when he had a moment and opportunity to do it. So, you know, he decided that he was going to honor this agreement that he proposed to Din anyway. So in season one, we had sort of a ragtag band that was going to stand up to Moff Gideon with IG-11 and Cara Dune and Grief Karga and the Mandalorian. And this time we're going to have a different kind of crew. We've got Boba Fett and Fennec Shand and maybe Cara Dune's going to come along, but it sounds like she's going to stay on Navarro because she's now a marshal of the New Republic. But they're going to go break Miggs Mayfield out. So Miggs Mayfield, if you remember, is Bill Burr, who was the Imperial sharpshooter that 
that we saw in The Prisoner. That was chapter six, or episode six, if you will, from season one. That was the one directed by Rick Famuyiwa that took place mostly on a prison transport. And I believe Rick Famuyiwa is actually directing episode seven. So funnily enough, we're going to get Bill Burr as Miggs Mayfield in this next episode, in the same episode that Rick Famuyiwa is going to be directing too. So all coming back together. Now, as for the enormous favor that this episode does for one particular character, we're almost there. I do just want to give another shout out to the folks at toysfortots.org. Again, toysfortots.org. If you're able to do a little something for children in need in your community, making their lives a little bit more magical in this incredibly challenging and difficult time, then please do check out the Marine Toys for Tots Foundation. That's at toysfortots.org. You can find out there how to help right in your local community. They worked last year in more than 800 communities across all 50 states, the District of Columbia, the Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico. They are doing really wonderful work in this world and have been for many, many years. Again, toysfortots.org if you are able, and thank you so much for considering it. Now, as for the enormous favor, it's done for Boba Fett. Boba Fett has not done much of anything in any live action presentation, right? I mean, we just see him being smart enough to follow around where Han Solo goes and walk into a dinner hall. Surprise! And then shoot some shots at Luke Skywalker. That's all he did. And then in Return of the Jedi, he just kind of gives a, hey, nod at Boosh. And then gets himself you know, walloped in the back and flies unceremoniously into the side of the sail barge and gets dumped into the Sarlacc pit. So obviously he survived. We found that out earlier this season, but he's never demonstrated any of the skill on screen for which he's supposed to have this incredibly fearsome reputation. And finally, this <laughs> 30 odd minutes of live action television did more for Boba Fett's reputation than 40 years worth of storytelling, even in, in comics and in books and legends versus new canon or whatever. Like, honestly, this has done more to rehabilitate Boba Fett than anything else that has come before it. I mean, I think I even did a whole episode <laughs> about, you know, what's the big deal with Boba Fett, really. But Again, I think we have now a reason to believe that Boba Fett, oh, he seems to be a lot more competent than <laughs> we ever gave him credit for. So, you know, good for the makers of The Mandalorian for doing that for Boba Fett as well. And that is going to do it for The Mandalorian Briefing. It's probably not going to do it for our conversations about this episode because there's a lot more to dive into and break down and question, frankly, as well. But... For now, it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for this episode, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.